Chewbacca in the intervening years. That's right, Star Wars. Okay, that's not that. <laughs> I know why you did that. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> um, oh God. <clears throat> well, I always ask. I always ask the audience for questions, and uh, one of the people on the Facebook thing uh, asked me. It said anything but Star Wars. So I said, of course. And I yeah. like that because no one ever asked me stuff. So I at least like to call attention to the fact that I do read your things, audience. And, um, well, generally listen to it, because frankly, I have no desire to talk about Star Wars either. I no, just no, wanted to play the Cantina <laughs> theme. Yeah. I am excited to see it. And, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll watch it eventually. I mean, maybe I'll see it in a theater. I'm good. No, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I've just, I grew up with it. I sat through those prequels. I've been broken before. Um, I'll just wait to find out. <laughs> I'll say this. It did make over 100 million in pre-sales alone. So that tells me that I'm not even going to bother trying to go see it yeah, the opening it's weekend. Nonsense. Yeah, it's oh. just not a point to it. And uh, I, I think it'll be okay. I think it's going to be decent. I have spoken to somebody that did go and see it and gave me a lot of the plot premise and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's going to be okay. I'm not real worried about it. But that's pretty much all yeah. I got to say about it. So. And, and this is only tangentially Star Wars related. I did have, uh, and I do this so often, and it's amazing st people still fall for it, but I posted a fake spoiler about the new Star Wars movie. Oh, I yeah. had multiple people contact me worried that I actually did, in fact, see the preview screening that I made up mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that I'd give it away essential plot points. And uh, I found that fun because I've been doing that since I started Twitter. Like, mm -hmm. at least once a season, I go, oh my god, I can't believe they killed Carl in the middle of when the walking dead airs on the coast on that mm -hmm. and just carl i think he's still alive in the show i haven't seen it since the first season but every now and again on a sunday i just post oh my god i can't believe they killed carl and people still fall <laughs> for it and it's really fun <laughs> uh yeah i can relate yeah it's 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 an amusing yeah. thing well i mean it's amusing for me because frankly i don't have much else to do and i'm not angry enough to be a real troll so i'll just do that that's usually enough right there that's usually that's that's uh that's a, that's a pretty good operation mindfuck so yeah you know you don't get to mess with people so yeah. uh let's i guess we should establish thing without having stupid fucking space jazz uh you know by the way actually i will mention one star wars thing the night the kind of music playing star wars that's actually referred to as jizz okay <laughs> space jazz it's called jizz <laughs> George Lucas is an idiot. So without uh, some dumb uh, music being played in the background, I have on Rojan from Project Archivist. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? All right, so now now we have everything good. They heard your name. They heard the name of your podcast without doot, 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 doot happening in the background. Mm -hmm. I'm excited by this. So things I've learned about your home state. You do reference that in your show, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I live in Michigan and my co-host lives in Connecticut. I live... 
about 10 minutes south of Detroit, about 45 minutes north of the Toledo, Ohio border. Yes. So, and you, you also know. live directly north of the central fucking time zone. That is dumb. Yeah. And I now hate your state because I didn't. I yeah. was looking up earlier in the week where uh, what time zone you're on so I could try to, uh, you know, figure out when it would be convenient. And I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's Michigan's in the middle somewhere. I, I don't know. I look at the map and there's fucking central is south of you. That's yeah. oh, that's that's irritating to me. It is. Um, it's, it's, it's also weird because there are certain states that don't even like recognize daylight savings time or they don't recognize the time changes. Yeah. So you not only have to deal with the time zones because you're three hours behind me. Like if I'm trying to book a guest, like say, I think Arizona, I think is one of those states. I'm not sure. Arizona, I think Indiana, but if I'm booking guests from one of those states, you always have to do the little thing where you figure out what time it is there, what time it is here, carry the one, you know, math and science and shit and um then that th- throws another wrench in the works it's like well does this state recognize daylight savings time so are they an hour ahead are they an hour behind where are they at right now and that's what google is for you just go to what state do you live in and what time is it in blah 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 right now you know you figure it out that way <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah it's you're totally right i mean we do i am complaining about nothing we live in a world where magically i can bring up just about any bit of information almost instantly but it just really annoyed me to see that you were north of central. It just, it really, like, there's like, I really hate the idea of time zones. It's always annoyed me. And, and daylight savings is just a constant irritation to me. Like we're, we're not fucking farmers. Like there's, yeah, no, I don't, I don't mind yeah. time zones, but the daylight savings, the spring ahead fall back every year. It's like, can we just get rid of this? Yeah, you know, this is, I don't know. Utter I know somebody out there is going to argue with me. It's like, no, we have to have it for this reason. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> the only, the only, excuse, the only reason is it was like that when you were young and you're afraid of change. The second we figured out digital clocks, there shouldn't be fucking daylight savings anymore. Like, yeah. I get it. The farmers want to wake up earlier to get more blah 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 blah. Fine, but we've got alarm clocks now, people. Like, it's this is this is stupidity on its fundamental level. And I never thought I'd want to agree with Arizona and anything, but I agree with them on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm completely done with it myself. Yeah, the only time it's good is when it falls back and you gain an extra hour of sleep. But even then, it's just, you know, the novelty of that wears off within about a day or so. You're like, all right, I got my extra hour of sleep. Now let's move on. So, anyways, you know, I am uh, trying to bring up. Um, well, our friend, uh, uh, yours and I, Stephanie, who uh, a fan of your show that um, found mine through uh, my going on yours or yours going on mine, whatever happened, uh, she lacks the ability to say things in a in a small amount of letters where i can yes to, to, it was <laughs> funny you stuff yeah i said i said that i was having you on this week and she laughed saying that you're giving her shit for uh being way too long-winded so she actually asked a good question and i'm like going through like all right how can i word this in a podcast friendly way <laughs> she has a lot to say yeah. she someday i have to have her on my show um She's a very, very dear, sweet lady. I love the woman to death. Um, but when you get something from her, it's not like blah, 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 blah. It's paragraph one, paragraph two, <laughs> paragraph three, email number two, paragraph four. <laughs> I mean, she's very she has a lot of insightful stuff to say, though, and it's it's neat. It, it, it doesn't bother me because when someone listens to our show and they pull stuff out and they're able to pull that much stuff out of it. You know, it's great. You know, I always read what she has to say. I always, 
I never look at a, a Stephanie email or a Stephanie message and go, oh boy, you know, and sit back and, you know, my night's going to be taken up because she brings up a lot of very valid points. Does she do that with you by chance? Does she? Oh, yeah. Do, yeah. Yeah, do you she, understand what I'm saying then? Is it, yeah. you know? <laughs> I know, I like it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of getting her emails because as I've complained about on my show many, many times, and frankly to anybody that will listen, my audience does not like interacting with me. And I'm glad they're there. It's just I don't have the self-esteem for this. So could you please just write me and just prove her there because I could easily be living in some kind of simulation thing or I went insane and I'm actually in an insane asylum and I'm just making up the show. I, How I just, long have you been podcasting for? Uh, five plus years. That's the same boat we're in. Yeah. I think this year alone, this year we have received more fan feedback. I hate saying fans because it makes me sound like I think I'm a rock star, but we have received more listener feedback than I think we've ever gotten, like in the form of voicemails, um, you know, Facebook messages, uh, tweets, emails. We, we, I, it's finally taken us to a point where people are beginning to interact with the show. And a lot of them are funny. We've taken a lot of them. We've actually like voicemails and stuff. We've gotten some pretty funny ones to a point where we've actually edited them to become drops in the show. So whenever we get a really funny, you know, voicemail or something, I'll, I'll save it and I'll slice it up because there's different points down the road where, you know, people, you can drop it in and stuff. But it's taken a long time for us to start getting feedback from people. And I was in the same boat. I'm like, man, is there anybody out there listening? And they go look at the numbers and you're like, well, yeah, there's people downloading the show and listening to it and things like that. And every once in a while, a donation will pitter in. So, you know, I know people are out there. Um, you know, we, we just, I, I think it's just people don't want to interact, you know, it's that they want to hear, but they don't, they, it's, it's kind of an inconvenience for them to do that or what have you. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm glad they're there. I'm not like, you know, calling anybody specifically out. It's just, it's a frustrating, it's frustrating is our own word. It's just, it's, it's, this is an awkward medium. Uh, uh, at least you have a co-host um, where I don't talk to anybody a lot. Like I do a lot of solo shows. So it's just like mm -hmm. this, this, there is not a lot of difference between what I do theoretically professionally because i am sponsored what i do professionally and being completely batshit insane and just talking to a microphone for hours you know there's it's yeah. a very thin veil so every now and again it's nice to get like a letter from someone especially someone that can write full sentences and isn't insane uh it's like oh all right this this isn't some some phantasm weird universe where where things have gone completely wrong i, I this does exist i am doing a show i'm not mad <laughs> The, the solo shows that I do, the ones that I've had to do are the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, if I had to do a show of just me talking, I couldn't make it an hour. There's no way in hell I could do it. Even when I'm recording my solo stuff, I go back and re-record it, edit it, re-record it, edit it, go back. It's really hard for me to just go out there and freeform something because I'm very, very critical of what I do. Um, if I didn't have my co-host, I would go insane. Um, I, I can interview people. Solo, that's not a hard thing for me to do because I've you've got that backboard to reflect off of. But if I have to just do a, a whole solo show on my own, I there's no way I could do it. I have to have a topic or something to read off of. Um, even the way it, when I record my solo shows, my whole I sound different. My personality is different. The way that I inflect things is completely different. Whereas when I went with my co-host, it's just a couple of us sitting around, you know, talking or doing whatever. But even that is a slightly skewed version of me a little bit, you know, it's like our show, we've, we kind of both got our parts to play, you know, where we're kind of like Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello for the most part. Um, it's hard to explain, but when the microphone's on, we kind of go into this mode 
and when I'm by myself and the microphone go, goes on, I'm also in a different mode, if that yeah. makes any sense. <clears throat> oh, no, I, I totally understand this. I, I, um, I met uh, an ex-girlfriend. Well, she was a girlfriend at the time, but I met her through her listening to the show. And it became this thing during the relationship that she, she would, not often, because she did finally understand after a while, but like would call me to task on things I said on the show. And it's like, that's not me, though. Like, yeah, I know that's yeah. me, but like, I have to, like, I have to talk into a mic for like a really long time. Like, it's, this is super hard at times. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some really weird shit. I'm going to make stuff up if it leads to the next point easier, because it's an entertainment show. Like, this isn't, you know, I'm not writing my biography, but mm -hmm. this leads directly to, this is what uh, Stephanie was writing us about. So she was listening to a podcast, and I'm going to try to summarize as best I can, that, um, kind of a mystery kind of 14 esoteric show and the show had a um, local authority on about uh, missing people disappearances and the host uh, was giving grief to one of the local authorities because they didn't do a you know a vigilant enough job uh, about um, you know the disappearance and you know all the all the various steps you can take to study whatever it is the guest was having so uh, Steph wrote to the the host and said, well, uh, hey, you know, um, like, what what what's this? Like, you know, it's actually, this is a lot harder than you're giving it any credit for, you know, like um, trying to solve a mystery. This is difficult. So like, maybe you should be, you know, a little nicer to your guests. So the host wrote back and said in a very friendly manner, teehee, of course I was exaggerating. I just like to stir things up to keep things exciting. Uh, Steph found this, uh, quite aggravating because, um, oh, that host yeah. also takes like cheap shots at things and et cetera, et cetera. So her question is this, are podcast hosts simply a bunch of puerile narcissists or am I descending into, uh, uh, her early afternoon stroke twilight years? And this is directly related to what we're talking about just there of, well, we're doing an entertainment show, you know? Um, how can I answer that? Well, my interviews... And the way we do things on our show is we like to come at topics sideways. We don't like to cover things in a normal manner. Uh, let's take the UFO topic, for example. There's a lot of people out there that have a cookie-cutter approach to UFOs. They will be like, this is, these are the Space Brothers Gray Aliens, uh, the Reptilian War Secret Agenda, um, you know, all of that, all of that stuff that you normally see in the UFO, UFO and ufology field. We don't like to do that. We'll talk about these topics, but I don't want to talk about them in a way that every other podcast that's out there or on, um, you know, on, on whatever the, the live streaming show feeds are that sound horrible. We don't want to cover stuff that way. We try to come at it from a different angle to at least give people something to think about. Now, I don't want to be, I don't ever want to do an interview where I become, I'm egotistical. There are times where I will feign stupidity or ask questions that I already know, but the person that's listening to the show may not know, or I will ask things in a different way to try to get something else out there to make somebody think about something. But I won't ever, I'm not going to have a police officer on the show and give them grief because they're not doing their job properly. You know, I'm not a police officer that person is out there trying to find whatever they're doing. They've got enough problems in their life. Add to that the fact that they're a police officer trying to solve a crime. You know, who am I? Who would I be to go out there and do something like that? Now, I, what I try to do as much as possible is I try to put myself in the average Joe listener's point of view and say, 
because I guess I am for the most part, that's what we are, is what is the average person going to want to hear about? What is what is the average person going to want to ask that hasn't been asked a million times? And that will do that a lot, you know, as much as possible. Um, my co-host, he has a really bad habit of just sitting there not really saying anything. And then I don't know where he'll come up with some crazy super stellar question or something like that. And then he'll be quiet again for another 10 minutes. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really into the whole egotistical, arrogant, um, you know, podcast host or whatever, because as, as, a, as a host, I try to put myself in the position of the listener as much as possible. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to be. And, the, and another thing it is, it makes it difficult to get guests on later on the show, because when you ask somebody, Hey, do you want to come on the show? And they go back and listen to your previous interviews. If they hear you being a dick to the guest, they're not going to want to come on. Or if they do, they're going to come on hostily. They're going to come on with their shields up and they're going to, you know, they're going to be leery of you trying to attack them. And we don't, we don't ever want to attack anybody like that. If there's somebody that, you know, if it's a point of us wanting to attack them, we're not going to have them on the show because that's not what we do. You know, we don't, we're not going to cover those kind of people that are in that, like they go back to the field of ufology and UFOs. I don't want to talk to 90% of those people because they've already been out there and I already know what they got to say. I'm looking for, I'm looking for the person that nobody else wants to pay attention to and wants to push away because they've got a different viewpoint. So, you know, I, if I wanted to be the Howard Stern of, of paranormal podcasting or whatever, sure, go for it. Good luck. But, you know, unless you are those kind of people and can get the guests on a regular basis like that, fine. I would, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have the time for that, you know? Yeah. For, for me on the, uh, like I didn't listen, I don't know the interview she's talking about, but um, I've certainly, and, I, and I've not had to do it all that often in my time talking to people, but there are times where the guest is not giving you absolutely anything. It is just, it's like talking to a wall. Yeah. And there's times where the only way to kind of make anything interesting is to get a little bit exaggeratory, is to kind of, like, I, I don't think I've ever attacked a guest. Maybe, you know, I've yelled at one, like, because they're being dicks. But, like, I've never, like, attacked, like, the reason they come on, because I wouldn't have them. But, like, I could see getting a little bit kind of, you know, kind of, like, a scholarly confrontational towards someone just to get something going. Because the fact is, this is. But that's not the same thing, though. There's there's a difference there. You're the, you're you're not. A, I understand what you're saying. It's hard to put it into words. But that I don't think that's the same thing, though. You know, it's a, we've only we've been very fortunate. We've only had one or two guests that have been that way. And I've, through clever editing, I've been made, I've been able to actually keep the show going along in post production. Yeah. But um, because you do have some people that come on the show that that just don't want to talk or. They uh they don't want to talk about what you had them on to talk about in the first place, and you got to kind of be able to roll with that. That's kind of just it's what comes with the job. Um, and I've also had guests that have been on the show. They're like, oh yeah, I'll come on your show, and then they're only on for like a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, I was kind of hoping to talk to you for an hour, and they're just so nervous and so racked and stuff. They're like, well, I don't I don't think I can I can make it. You know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, you're not you're not live on the air. This is going to go out later. No one's hearing this right now. You know, I'm I'm not going to make you sound like an idiot. But again, these are things that just come with the territory, I guess. Yeah. See, for me, I go the other, like, I don't edit my interviews at all. Unless, it, the only time I ever edit is if something, you know, spectacular happens, mm -hmm. Skype drops, something stupid, or bathroom break, or, or somebody says, hey, I fucked up, I didn't mean to say that out loud, cut that, I will, it's, it's not going to be in the show. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to fuck anybody over. So, for yeah. me, I, I will kind of take on an exaggerated personality. I will kind of Howard Stern it up a little bit 
if I can't get anything out of the guest. Just because I don't want the guest to look shitty. So kind of going at them a little bit puts them in the defensive mode. And, you know, because usually people will start, that's when they kind of get their energy up and will start, they'll come back at you. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. You know, you get a little passion out of them. It's almost like uh, I was going to make a sports metaphor. It's like almost like a coach, but I don't know anything about sports. So I'm not going to make that metaphor. Um, But I think that probably was true. Uh, But, you know, I think putting somebody on the defensive so they have to defend what they're doing I think kind of it gets out, you know, it gets them up. It gets a little bit more energy into it. So I've certainly done things like that where if I was in, you know, just a conversation, you know, in real life, you know, at a bar or something, I never would act that way. Like I, mm-hmm. I certainly have a bit more of a, uh, a, a dick edge on the show uh, than I do in my, in my outside life. That's a good way yeah. to put it. I think, you know what? I, I think I take the opposite approach of you. I think, when we have people on the show, I always kind of envision it as like we're sitting around a bar just having a couple of beers talking, you know, and I'm trying to hear what the person's got to say. Plus, one of the things I'll do is every once in a while or more often than not, before we set up an interview, I'll say, is there anything that you do want to talk about that you haven't been asked before? You know, because uh, I you, most of the time we get guests, a lot of times they've been on other shows. And the show is a few – because one of the things I'll do is if I know I'm, a guest is coming on the show, I'll try to go out and find them on the internet and I'll listen to their other shows because I don't want to give the person – I don't want to give the guest a boring interview. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is we have, we've had a, a particular guest on a couple of times where they've been on several shows and they kind of go into this cookie-cutter interview mode yeah. where they're just throwing answers that are already out there. And immediately, as soon as I feel that coming on, I try to pull the interview in a different direction because, again, I don't I, I don't want to be the show. You know, I, I assume that everybody that, that's listening to my show listens to similar shows than we do. Sometimes that's not the case. I've had a lot of people tell me, no, I don't listen to those shows. That's why I listen to you guys. But nonetheless, I just assume that people that are listening to us are listening to other shows. And I don't want to have, okay, somebody come on and go, well, I already heard this guy on such and such show or I heard this guy on that show. Let's see what he sounds like on this show. Oh, it's the same interview that I've already heard four times now. I make it a point to uh, somebody asks them a question on their show about a book they got out. I won't ask them the questions that they've already been asked on other shows. I try to pull it into a different different place. So even if people did hear them on another show, they'll get something different by coming to us. Um, and most of the time, I try to keep the attitude very low, laid back, fluid, um, very relaxed. Again, just like people sitting around having a couple of beers or or just talking because the more relaxed you can get the person or the more relaxed the state of the, the interview is, the more you're going to pull out of them. And we've had a lot of guests on, even our most recent ones we've had on where I've been able to pull stuff out of them that, that they just don't normally talk about or they haven't talked about before. And it's not because I'm digging for secrets. It's this, that, you know, when somebody's on another show, they're in a different mode and you kind of have to break that out to pull different people, uh, pull yeah. different stuff out of them. Yeah. That's why I don't listen to coast to coast or any of those shows. I guess coast to coast is gone now, but whatever, whatever those yeah. shows are like, I don't, I don't listen to them because it's just all the same interview I've heard before. And you know, because that, you know, back when that show was, that's the only place you could hear weirdos. It was mind blowing, yeah, but it's exactly. like, Oh great. We're going to have Graham Hancock again to say the exact same thing. He's heard. I've heard four times, which yeah, see, nothing against Graham, Graham Hancock. Hancock. Somebody, I, I respect the guy, but I don't want to interview him because I already know what he's going to say. Yeah. And even when other people have tried to pull him out of that mode, he goes right back into it. Like Stan Freeman. Uh, oh yeah. I love Stan Freeman, but he's on every show all the time. And I, you know, I've even had people tell me, you can try to ask him this. 
but he's going to go right back into that direction again. And I don't want to be doing an interview where I'm constantly tugging, tugging war with somebody. And like we've had this debate on our show for years. Do we have Stan Freeman on? Do we not have Stan Freeman? I'm sure I could get him on, but what am I going to ask him that, like he goes on, he goes on Ben All of America every year. You know? yeah. <laughs> he goes on all of these shows all of the time. There's not much more I could get out of him that he's either a going to want to talk about or hasn't been asked already a million times. Great guy. Love what he has to say. I think he's really funny. I think he's really witty. He really he's really into what he does. Uh, I like some of his viewpoints. Some of them I don't. But I don't really think he can bring anything to the table that I already don't know or most people haven't yeah. heard him say before you know <laughs> yeah no that's my theory that's why I, I keep my brother keeps trying to get me to get uh try to get graham on the show hancock on the show and i like yeah. graham hancock but like i don't like his fiction work and he keeps seeing the same stuff in every show and it's like i don't that's not the show that i like to do and exactly my exactly. thing is i and and this is something i, I i'm guilty of this with you as well uh when i was on your show is i i always forget to warn people that my entire show is based on the idea of oh let's just go on a tangent now so I will have people on to talk about one thing and we never actually get around to it, which I'm fine with. That's sort of the, <laughs> the idiocy of my show. And I, and I very much enjoy that. And I sometimes forget to warn people. So some of my what I very much enjoy is after an interview, it's either uh, I, I the the person I interviewed feels like, oh, we're friends now. And I always like that. I've actually made friends from this. And then, you know, well, I bugged the hell out of you on Facebook. So, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> and then the other the other side is uh people going well we were supposed to talk about this and then it ended up going this way and i was like reading the kind of hey, no one's ever been shitty about it but reading the review afterwards people like i don't know we were supposed to talk about one topic and then we ended up talking about you know the simpsons for 15 minutes or something i actually like had a guest on um his name was uh dr i think his name was dr bashir he was supposed to go to the mars one uh thing and we had him on the show and we were going to talk about Mars One and something else. And we ended up doing like an hour and a half of this one topic. And I'm like, well, we've, you know, I usually keep people on for about an hour. So I don't want to have them on too long. I don't want them to, over, you know, I don't want them to start burning out. And I was getting ready to let him go. And he goes, no, wait a minute. I thought we were going to talk about this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, we've had you on for, it was like three o'clock in the morning when he was calling from too. He was in Sweden, I believe it was Sweden or Switzerland. Or, I don't, I, I'm really bad about this right now. I should know, but I don't. But he's like, well, I want to talk about this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, we've had you on for an hour and a half, and it's like first thing in the morning there. He says, what else do I got to do? I'm in the middle of nowhere. Come on, let's talk about this. And then we did, oh, that's awesome. and we carried the show on for another 45 minutes, but I was like, uh, 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 okay, yeah, <laughs> sure, let's, okay, let's roll with it then. But I was just, you know, because we got so interested in talking about, he was, um, he more or less does gene hacking in real time. I believe that's what it was. He would see his results as he was doing it and affect the results of what he was doing as it was happening or something along those lines. I don't entirely remember. And we were so fascinated by that that we completely forgot about the topic we were going to talk about. And that was the one that he wanted to talk about. So now, we just rolled with it and it turned out fine. I, I, no, I'm not sure what happened here, whether maybe you're misremembering his name or is it a pseudonym. I just find this weird because Julian Bashir from Star Trek Deep Space Nine was a product of genetic engineering. Uh, by gene manipulation. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the weirdest coincidence ever, or you're a big Star Trek fan and got this guy's name wrong. Because I'm the no, really no, curious. that was his. Oh, name. that was because that's really well, weird. I call him Mesh for short. I still oh, bug him on Twitter once. I would love oh. to have the guy back on. But oh, that's totally fine. To... It's just weird because that's that's a that's literally a plot from a science fiction show. He had some last name that I couldn't remember mm. what it was or how to pronounce or something like that. And since I'm saying this on the spot and unprepared, I can't remember what it was. I feel bad because I can't remember what it was. Fascinating guy to talk to. See, that's one of our things. We're we're into really weird science, very strange off the wall history that you don't hear a lot about. Uh, like strange history is another one of our big things. The UFOs and ghosts and all that stuff. That's kind of on the back burner for us because it's so talked about that we're way interested, more interested in other things that that aren't out. You know that that are out there, but you don't hear a whole heck of a lot about them. But they're fiercely interesting. So like when we get historians of the strange if we have an opportunity to have somebody who's a historian of the strange on the show i'm like yes yes how can we make this happen how can we get you on the show and those have been some of our best shows and the other shows that we're really into are people that have very unusual personal experiences in their own life um i find that the average person who has um strangeness in their life of whatever kind or another is equally just as fascinating as having Stan Freeman on the show. Even more so because you hear about all like Stan Freeman and you hear about all the UFO people and the ghost hunting people, but the guy down the street from you could be having who could be having just as many strange experiences and so forth. And he's a normal person just trying to get through life just like everybody else. You know, and those people fascinate me very much too. You know, we've had a variety of people on the show that were for the most part just regular everyday Joes. But there's something in their life that's unusual or different. Perhaps they've died and come back. Um, you know, we all kinds of different things. And we find that just as interesting, too, because it speaks to the normal person. You know, everybody who listens to these shows, a lot of people have strange experiences of their own. But when they go onto the paranormal podcasting circuit or whatever, they see the same people over and over again. Every once in a while, I like to reach out beyond and around that and bring bloggers on or just, you know, people that are out there that are unusual and strange in their own way or cover strange things that you don't hear about. Yeah. This, the, the Mars one guy, it was Mars one. Was that the weird, like kind of TV show kind of bullshit Mars mission or was that a weird one? Yeah, it never went anywhere. Yeah. Okay. That that was actually fell apart. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Cause I remember, um, uh, a mysterious universe or one of the other paranormal shows I listened to yep. was kind of covering that from their first announcement. And they just went, no, this is such bullshit. And yeah, then announced it too, That's what they oh said. Oh my yeah. God, this is bullshit. And it was really fun to kind of watch that go and then watch the actual thing explode. I didn't realize they had like a uh, uh, proper, you know, doctors involved or anything along those lines. I just, yeah. Well, they never, I, it, it, we talked to, I think two or three different people that were supposed to be in on that. And then when it all fell apart, um, Everybody just kind of went, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, it all just, it just fell apart for the most part. I remember, like, we're big fans of Mysterious Universe. They had a a big, strong influence on us back in our early days. Um, So, I, I, you know, I don't listen to them much anymore because I don't want them to influence what I'm doing now. Every once in a while, I'll listen to an episode. But, uh, yeah, I remember that episode when they said that, and I was like, oh, great. We just had a guy on a couple (laughs) of weeks ago that was supposed to go on this thing, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as long as he was just going on, you know, it's not like the guy that organized it. You know, I think you can. Well, that's have, when we, yeah. we, we, we ended up like that was, we didn't really, we started talking about what his, what his degree in science was and what he was actually doing, his gene editing stuff that he was doing. And I found that far, far more fascinating than the possibility of him going to Mars, because at that point it was kind of starting to wane and burn out. 
And then he wanted to talk about that, too. So I'm like, all right, well, if you want to talk about it. But I think even then when he did talk about it, I think we still took it in different directions than what he was saying, than, than what was going on with the whole Mars One thing. Um, we still took it in different directions from from what he was – from like, oh, yeah, I'm in the list. I might be going to Mars, blah, 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 blah. Because you can only hear people say that so many times. You know, because you can only ask them, like, well, are you prepared to leave your family and everything behind? Well, of course they are. They wouldn't have signed up for it. Do you understand that this is a one-way yeah. trip? Well, of course they understand that. You know, you can only you can only ask or hear those questions answered so many times. There's a so, uh, this wonderful – I don't remember her name, but this uh, uh, Russian cosmonaut lady. Um, she went up into space under the um, – whatever the hell the Russian missions were called. I don't remember. But um, she's 80-something years old, this badass chick, still in, like, really good condition. And she wow. said, uh, I'll, I'll gladly take a one-way trip to Mars. Like, sign me up. Like, I have the knowledge for this. I'm good. Like, not Mars One. Like, she's saying, like, yeah. if any country wants to build a space program and you're worried about the return trip, I guarantee you I'm there. I'm signing up. I'm on it. Like, let's go. And I can get other people involved. And it's, yeah, you know, I was like, ah, oh, I love that chick. This badass old Russian lady. Like, yeah, let's go. I don't give a shit. Like, what am I going to do? I'm 80 something years old. Yeah, let's go to Mars. There's a whole lot of people out there. Well, look how many people signed up for Mars One. You yeah. know, the initial response that they had, knowing how many, knowing that it was going to be a one way trip. I think there's a lot of people that would say, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave this yeah. behind. Well, it's, we live in such a safe uh, part of the world, you know, kind of the Western culture is so safety oriented that it's, we kind of forget that that used to be normal. I mean, the trip to the new world, you know, back in the, you know, 1400s or whatever, 1500s, mm -hmm. that wasn't like, there was like pretty much it's a one way trip. It's like, if you get there, hey, good yep. luck. Um, it's likely you're never coming back. And, and you might die when you get there. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty and, much the same thing that we're facing now. Yeah. For some reason, it just, we got this kind of, I don't know, just a bit of cowardliness you know so i don't know what happened it's just there's a bunch of people willing to do it but for some reason like i'm all about value of human life i'm a value about every life i'm a fucking vegetarian like i'm i'm a wuss about people dying but if you have people willing to hop on a like a weird tiny ship and go to mars and give it a go hell yeah they should do it like mm -hmm. yeah five people die i know that sucks but it's actually they do that, it yeah they knew it too though. it's not a big deal like they signed up for it they said let's do this mm -hmm. and they know it's worthwhile because it is, you know, it's, we need to explore shit. Let's hop on a fucking flight. You know, people, people died in the Mars, in the, uh, in the, you know, the build up to the moon landing. Like the, mm -hmm. there's a thing like four astronauts died in that program. That's, you know, and I don't I'm think. I'm a little bummed that we haven't gone back to the moon and done more with it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's right there. You know, yeah. we, we can, we can get there again fairly easily, you know, especially because we did it before. It, well, depending who you talk to, the, the conspiracy people are out there. Yeah, well, just, but you know, I would think good. let's go, let's let's go back to the moon because if we can go back to the moon, and we can use that as a launching point to go someplace yeah. else, that significantly cuts down a lot of the technology that's needed because you have to get off of Earth, get out into space, and then get to Mars and then to land. Whereas if you start on the moon, you're starting in yeah. a much lower gravity. You're already up in space. Um, yeah, and there's fuel there. They have helium three, which can be used as rocket fuel. So it's there's a if we could yeah. refine that. But even still, there's water up there. There's they they yeah. found water on the moon, I believe. Yeah, it's um, yeah small amounts, but yeah, it's enough that you could you know mm -hmm. make water out of it. But the the problem with it, you know, I actually just was uh, reading about this really recently, and like uh, maybe it was it was something like popular science, you know, something like really mainstream, but. Uh, they're talking about how it actually is much more difficult to go to the moon now than it was when we first went, because we're not in a we're not in an arms race with you know any other country at the time. So back mm -hmm. then we had all these facilities to build rockets beyond any kind of exploratory thing. We were building big ass rockets. There were multiple places to build these because it was us versus Russia building as many rockets as quickly as they can. 
we don't have any facilities right now to build rockets of that size anymore. So you'd have to build the infrastructure to build the the rockets to then start the program to get back to the moon. So it's actually I disagree. It's already being done. It's being done being done by the private industry though. This is what will get us off of Earth. This is if you want to get off the Earth and you want to go to the moon, you want to go to Mars, you want to go to asteroids, you need to have profit and a money and money and a reason to do it. Yeah, I know. I meant the. I was you referring know. only to the government. Like it's. Well, that's done. Yeah, that I, yeah that's I what I mean. Is, doubt that. Yeah, the reason the government. When I yeah, your point is well made. Private industry has the ability to do it because they can build it from scratch. But government yeah. works in, you know, giant movements. So when they had these facilities to build rockets anyway, it was quite easy to go. Oh yeah, let's just throw some people in there and aim them at the moon. I mean, obviously it's vastly more complex than that. But oh yeah, the infrastructure being there allowed it. Yeah, now it's the best hope is, well, I mean, China's going back. Uh, they want to build, it, like, in the next 20 years, they're starting to build a moon, you know, uh, outstation or whatever the hell you call it. Mm -hmm. um, like, they're already in the planning stages. They've got, like, you know, designs for the ship that's going to take them there and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's, America's not going there anytime soon unless it's a private company. But, you know, I think Russia or China or India, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll probably, within our lifetime, we're probably going to see some shit being built up there. Once they get there, then then you'll see a kickback response to where okay they're doing it we got to do it you yeah. know it'll be one of those kinds of, because if they're going there they're going to do they're going to do it to make money whether it be h3 mining or whatever the downside is is being up in space and being in low gravity it destroys the body our bodies just aren't made for that kind of thing yeah um i mean it's if you're there, if I think it's what they say, once you're in space for more than three days, your muscles begin to break down and things like that because of the weight. Your, your body just loses it loses bone mass and all those kind of things, which kind of sucks. You know, I, I wouldn't mind going to the moon for a vacation for a week or so. That'd be kind of neat, you know. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, if they had some kind of like a biodome built into a crater or something like that, you know, that'd be it'd be cool to fly around, you know, with zero gravity. Plus, I'm I'm a pretty portly big guy. I'm not exactly the skinniest dude. It'd be kind of neat to experience what life would be like not carrying around the weight that I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, the moon does have enough gravity that I don't think you would you don't um your muscles and bone structure doesn't decay nearly as quickly as you do in no not as quickly quote, but it, it does yeah. do it. Oh no, totally. But it's that's so. there's a lot less because in space you have to like astronauts and uh, have to work out like I think it's like an hour and a half a day on you know with tethered things on treadmills. Yeah, and exactly. Keeper. But yeah. if you're on the moon, I mean that could be limited to I mean maybe it still is a half an hour an hour a day but it would be a lot less strenuous like it would be a lot easier than just hanging out in just proper you know earth and you just and... know the porn industry is going to be in on this oh totally well they just... <laughs> they did that uh, uh they're they're or maybe they haven't done it yet but they were sending up on a russian one of those suez rockets to film mm -hmm. a porno in, in zero gravity like yeah this, I, well, I don't know if it happened Kate already, did a, a photo yeah. shoot for playboy and the uh and the weightless plane thing that goes up there oh yeah yeah the the so, vomit comet yeah yeah they they had her they had her flying around weightless with a uh gold bikini on or something like that. Oh, that's fun. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. I got I mean, no problem with that. Yeah, I mean I think the cleanup would be a little difficult, but you know, all right. Boy, did our topic drift. <laughs> yeah, it's the Alex cast. This we is just exactly went. <laughs> this is the actual thing. But here's the joy of being on my show. Back to where we started. The second thing I noticed about Michigan Ash versus Evil Dead. I didn't know that was in Michigan, and I like that show. I don't know if you watched it. Oh, yeah, Evil Dead. Oh, yeah, I did. Evil Dead was actually, uh, what was it? Um, I think most of those movies were filmed in northern Michigan. I didn't know. See, the cabins in, in North Carolina or South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I thought the whole movie was filmed there. But, yeah, apparently I was either completely wrong or mostly wrong about that. Because, yeah, it's all Michigan, apparently. Yeah. Um, I have a, 
I have like a seven degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of situation with that. I know I used to know the individual that did all of the sound for that movie. And I've actually seen the sound, the sound tapes. I've actually seen the audio tapes that were used to mix to that movie. Um, because cool. a buddy of mine used to work for the company that handled the sound for that, for, the, for that movie. And as a result, he ended up be, becoming a sound designer on the movie, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which was a French movie, which was really good. But, um, so I've actually like in the, the place where this stuff was recorded, the studio that a lot of this stuff was mixed down in is in an area where it's not, it's, it's like a neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not mentioning any names here, so I should be fine. But the guy who did all the mixing, it's like, you, you're, he's like, yeah, come on, I'm going to show you the studio I work at. So we go to this place and it's a house in the middle of a neighborhood. It's not a recording studio. The inside of the house was converted into a recording studio. And I'm like, this is a recording studio. He's like, yeah, it's a lot easier to do it this way. The taxes are better and stuff like that. He just bought the house and soundproofed the inside of it and did all this junk. And all of this audio production is being done inside this house as opposed to renting out a normal business building and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And he's like, oh, by the way, here's the uh, here's the audio from uh, Evil Dead and blah, 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 and Army, uh, Army of Darkness and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh. Okay, this is weird. I'm kind of holding a chunk of geek history in yeah, my hands. That's pretty cool. So. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that uh, show I'm a big fan of. I I didn't think I was gonna like it because it's resurrecting something I cared for when I was young, and that usually doesn't mm -hmm. work. But my God, that's a really amusing program. If you haven't watched it, it is. Yeah. I was really surprised by it myself. I was like, do we really want to do this? You know, and it, it was because I thought because I'm not a I'm not a zombie guy at all. I don't watch I don't watch uh, Walking Dead or, or any of that stuff. I'm not. I'm not into the zombie movies at all, but Evil Dead was different. It was funny. It was, yeah, you know, and I think they're just kind of riding that wave, but they still managed to hold it together. It's still just as funny as all those movies were. Yeah, it's totally me. I, I, yeah, I was really surprised they managed it, but, um, yeah, that was, I just, I literally just brought that up because I remembered I said two things about Michigan. I'm like, oh, tangents. Um, <laughs> so we were talking, uh, me and my friend Mateo from the Whatcast, uh, one of the hosts there, good, another good, fun 14 podcast. Not really. It's a piece of shit. But anyway, it's a podcast. And um, no mince words. How do you really feel? Yeah, well, it's, it's just what I do with them. I, I was kind of uh, partially responsible for that show starting. So I've been doing the big brother thing with them. And now I've gotten to the point that I'm just picking on them for being little brother. It's, you know, the way it works. But we were having a conversation. So um, he made a point of that uh, a lot of times there's the kind of misapprehension about what things actually are. So what reminded me was evil dead they're technically not zombies because they're demons inside of corpses not like mm -hmm. resurrection so i was like oh that's a good point but here's where we had a a difference of opinion i'm curious where you go with this because you have you know thought about studied listened to this stuff i made a point that if you are a trans-dimensional being like they say like the gray aliens for instance mm -hmm. i would say they're still aliens yes Okay, I'm glad you agree with this, because he says, no, if you're if you're transdimensional, because we were talking about the movie They Live, and I referred to them as aliens. Now, in the movie, they say they're from another dimension. I feel like if you're from another dimension, and you look significantly different than the people that you're, you know, the dimension that overlaps with it, that makes you an alien. Well, it depends how far you want to break the term alien down. Uh you know, especially here in Murica, if, if we if anybody outside of Murica is an alien, um, then, you know, anything not from here would be considered alien, which I find I was thinking about this. This is going to lead me on a tangent. 
with all the stuff with Superman and all these things going on, you know, with the movies, yeah. way back in the day when Superman first came out, Superman was an alien that had came to Earth and he was the Earth guardian protector, stuff like that. If you were to try to redo Superman as an original story today, I don't think it would go over real well because you would have – here we have an undocumented immigrant from another planet. Uh, you know, the, the, the definition of alien – the the whole concept of somebody coming from someplace else is, is very strongly you know looked down upon, and if you were to have Superman that kind of character, I don't think you would have the same response that you had back in the day when Superman first came out. We're like, oh, Superman, he's here to save us, and blah blah blah, you know. And people just kind of looked over the fact that he were an, he's an alien. Nowadays, if you, I think if you were, if Superman didn't exist before and you were to try to create that concept now you wouldn't have that same kind of reaction. You would be like, why is this filthy alien coming from another planet to defend us? Why can't we defend ourselves? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you would see a very different reaction. Um, so it's, it's the, this whole, this whole concept of alien and what alien is and how people would react to it and things like that is something that I've had a keen interest in for a little while. Cause I don't think you would see Superman th the same way now as if you did, as you did back then. Oh no. You know, <laughs> they're actually doing. I just caught up with the first two episodes. Um, uh, Childhood's End. They made into a, a mini series. I uh, heard that. I have not yet watched it. I didn't even know it was available yeah, yet. Yeah, uh, it's 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 airing now. I found it on you know a um, slightly less than legal website, and um, so I watched the first two. What and network you, is it through? I, you know, I don't know. Um, is it I, Sci Fi Channel I, is it? It Am might be it's not Amazon. I no, it's not. It's not Amazon or Netflix. I don't think. Uh, I, I you know honestly, I just found it on one of those you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, below the board streaming sites and so i don't even know like where it originally aired but mm -hmm. um one quite good uh, uh which i was surprised by they're doing a really good job of it but they deal exactly with this is and you know as the original uh, text material does and no, this is no spoilers because this happens in the first like four minutes of the show but you know essentially childhood's end is you know the aliens show up and uh, oh yeah it's the most ripped off concept in yeah, sci-fi and they're, it's where v and independence yeah, day came yeah, from. yeah so they're fixing the world and everybody's quite uh quite uh happy but then there's people that are like oh what the hell you know you dirty what are you doing taking away we don't wait we don't need a military anymore how dare you and it's you know that's exactly what you were saying with superman what you know mm -hmm. what happened is you know how you know you're not allowed to be you know this uber being we need our military we need our you know whatever our guns and you know it doesn't matter if it makes if you make us safer we need our freedoms you're protecting us from ourselves yeah mm. yeah, yeah i i i uh I just got done watching um, the uh, – oh, my God. I can't believe it's slipping my – oh, the, the Man in the High Castle. I just got done finishing that series off and Jessica Jones. Yeah. Uh, but the Man in the High Castle, I was actually very surprised because I'm a big fan of Philip K. Dick. Um, and that was that was one of his most non-sci-fi stories to think – that I could think of. And I was really curious. I was like, man, I hope they don't mess this up. I hope they don't mess this up. Are you familiar with it by chance? Or I have. I've, I've read the book. I, I, I myself uh, was a Phil K. Dick fan. Probably still am, but I'm not, you know, a massive fan of, you know. Yeah. I've read a bunch of his stuff, but not, you know, I'm not a huge person. And I and I watched the uh, Amazon Prime show. Um, yeah. I didn't like it that much. I mean, I like the, I like the beginning, but I thought – and it's actually the like, same thing with Jessica Jones, which I'd be fine to talk about because I don't think I've talked about it on this show, but – I think they put too many episodes into it. Like there is a lot of nothing going on for Man of the High Castle. It was only like ten episodes. But, no, I'm not. But <laughs> I was that too many. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying the ten's too many. But there was a lot of nothing happening in those episodes. Like there, you that was not efficient storytelling 
and it didn't really finish the story by the end. Oh, it's not supposed to. There's going to be another season. No, I know. So why do like you could have done the story in ten episodes or twelve, maybe? But there was because probably... they're world building. Those are, that was that was world building to allow you to see. See, me and you are different. Me and you are readers of Philip K. Dick. We know the stories and so forth. Yeah. The average person that they were trying that was watching that show isn't me and you. This this yeah. is a lot of people do this kind of stuff that are into these stories and these books and things like that. You kind of, they, they didn't make it for us. They made it to be consumable for the average person watching the show. People that are coming from shows like Fringe, Lost, those kinds of things. Now you're taking the premise of America lost the war. Half of the country is German or Nazi, and the other half of the country is Japan on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. That's a pretty big concept to have to put into people's heads how different the United States would have been in the 1960s as opposed to the 1960s that our world has right now. So I think a lot of that was world building to give people an idea of what the Nazis were like, how the country would have been different and how these characters would have interacted in that kind of a situation. Now, if they do go forward with a second season, I don't think you're going to see as much of that because it will have the world will have been built and will been have been established. And I think at the very last episode where he was um the Chinese um trade minister, I believe it was, was sitting there on the bench meditating and then he opened his eyes and he was here. Um I think you're going to see more kinds of things like that as to the build up of what are these movie tapes and what are these things and so forth because they won't have to work on the world as much we'll already have in our head okay this is all screwed up we get this now you know like the yeah, thing about I, the uh open group and monger or whatever the hell he is yeah. his son having the genetic disease and you know he has to kill his son you know because <laughs> he's genetically impure yeah you know they left that hanging i think they did that on purpose because that's going to be a major plot point down the road he has to keep that quiet um because he doesn't want to kill his son but at the same time, he does have to kill his son because he's now in conflict with his beliefs and stuff. They're going to leave that for later. You know, they're going to, there's a lot of stuff that they have to leave till later on. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the world building thing. I just think they took their sweet time about it. There was a lot. And now that's like there was a lot of I didn't need the whole gun subplot. Like, I'm not saying cut it out, but that took a really fucking long time. Um, mm -hmm. Meeting DJ Qual's dad took a really long time. There was a lot of driving. There was a lot of sitting at a counter looking at each other. Like, I just, the efficiency of the show just started to get on my nerves a little bit. And I mm -hmm. thought it was just that they were committed to, um, tell, like, I think they were just committed to the number of episodes they wanted and the amount of story that they wanted to tell was lacking. Like, I think they probably could have gotten to the next plot point in those 10 episodes less than where they stopped. Yeah, but at yeah. what point do you cut it off then? Because they don't know for sure if they're going to get a second season yeah. or not. I mean, granted, it's getting like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm sure they will get a second season. And yeah. I think this is the first time that Amazon has done something like this where they've actually, you know, followed the route of Netflix and created their own show specifically for that network. You know, this was the trial run for it to see how it's going to work. And it seems to have worked fine. You know, I think, I it's think they not. Did, I think they did a couple before this, but yeah, this is one of the early ones. Wasn't um, mm -hmm. transparent? Wasn't that on? I don't know. Maybe. I... Well, Netflix has a habit of putting a whole bunch of pilots out there, and then saying, "All right, which one do you people like?" And yeah. then whatever ones they gravitate for, those are the ones that Netflix likes to carry on with. Yeah, I think this was the second round of that. I think they did. Yeah. I think that Jeffrey Tambor show, Transparent, was Amazon Prime. I'm not sure. I didn't watch that one. I just, I, I just, I have Amazon Prime primarily for shopping and for my daughter's books for college and stuff. It never occurred to me to watch television shows on it because 
to be honest with you, 90% of the stuff that's on there is on Netflix, and I already have Netflix. Yeah. Then I could watch Netflix on the TV in the living room or whatever. Whereas Amazon Prime, I have to do a little bit more finagling to watch shows on there. But the man in the high castle, I'm like, well, I'm a big fan of Philip K. Dick. So, yeah, I'll watch this. Sure. You know, but I've up until this point, I've never watched anything on Amazon Prime. I figured, well, since I'm paying for it, I might as well use it. Yeah, there's actually some good stuff on there. I like Amazon Prime. There's some weird little gems you can dig out. But I, I didn't. I certainly didn't mind Man in the High Castle. Like I'm gonna if if season two comes out, I'm gonna watch it. It just yeah, same here. I felt yeah. like it was just a little inefficient. And Jessica Jones is the same thing, except Jessica Jones I think is far more. I that episode that show had I'm gonna say at least two episodes worth of just wasted time. It yeah that really not even taking its time. They they didn't have enough plot for the amount of episodes they had. Like Jesus, I like that they took a while to really show us David Tennant as the Purple Man. I was into that, but once that happened, you need to pick the pace up, and they didn't at all. And it's just like, oh my god, hurry the fuck up, show. I get it. There were times where I actually had a hard time because I watched Daredevil as well. Yeah. Which Daredevil I watched front to front, front of end, great all the way through. They did a fantastic job with that. Jessica Jones was a completely different kind of show, and it was more or less a statement on rape, I think, for the most part. Yeah. But there were times in that show where I found myself going, God, I don't, I don't know if I could. It was hard for me to watch sometimes just because the amount of people getting killed for, you know, just people dying, you know, all around like the one guy that fell over with the, the pruning shears, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, it, yeah. a lot of it just seemed like death porn at certain points. It was like, all right, you know, do, do we really have to keep doing this to the, all of these people? Yeah. Um, and at times it was just hard. It was hard to watch. But then again, the comic book was hard for me to read too. There was, you know, I, I did. I, I enjoyed the show much more than the comic book, but the comic book was so down and depressing. Every time I put an issue of it down, I wanted to slit my wrists. Yeah. <laughs> you know? the, uh, yeah, the show, actually, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there was a, a lot of pretty, a lot was, of death, like a lot of pretty over-the-top death. And to the point that like, actually going back to like Ash vs. Evil Dead, where like there's over-the-top death every episode multiple times. But, but it's, it's comical. Yeah, it's it's part of what it is. Because it's so over-the-top. But Jessica it's Jones like, almost had that same amount of, like, death, and there's no comedy. It's just, yeah. oh, this whereas is with, fucking bleak. <sighs> whereas, like, when you're watching uh, when you're watching uh, Ash and the Army of Darkness or whatever, it's like watching the skit for Monty Python with the Black Knight where he gets his yeah. arm and his leg cut off, and he's all like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fine, blah, 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 and the blood squirting and stuff, and you're going, okay, this is comedy you can laugh at. It kind of works that way with... Evil Dead, whereas with Jessica Jones, yeah, like there's a scene in there. I hope spoilers, people, if we haven't ruined it already. But there's well, a you scene didn't give away the final was... scene in fucking Man of the High Castle earlier. So I think, <laughs> yeah. I think I think we've already crossed the spoiler boundary. <laughs> yeah, you might want to put a thing at the beginning of the show. Spoilers yeah, ahead, whatever. But uh, there's a scene where she walks into the room and there's a gentleman laying on the floor, um, who's who's been pretty dismembered, you know, and where he should be dead and he's like he wakes up and gives her this vital piece of information or whatever and it's like dude the amount of damage you just sustained yeah. you you would be dead from blood loss and trauma and and what have you but it was like wow and then there's the part where the guy's trying to get rid of the body very fargo-esque you know oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's just a lot of scenes like that in there where it was like you know, at the beginning of it was shocking, you know, with like the girl and her parents, how, how that happened and a yeah. few other different things. But as the show went on and on, it was like, all right, all right, this isn't this isn't shocking anymore. It's it's just becoming disturbing now. But, you yeah. know, it was it was still a good show. I liked it. Oh, I totally, um, I totally enjoyed it. I just thought it would it was one. I thought it was a downfall of them committing to X number of episodes. And the the story arc they wanted to tell of her kind of overcoming her past with Mr. Purple 
didn't fit into that arc. Like maybe just even just having a subplot somewhere, like having, I don't know, not necessarily another villain, but like something else going on concurrent would have solved it. Like I really liked what they did. It just, there wasn't enough of it to, to warrant that many episodes of the show. Like, if well, it, it's better than the comic book. Cause in the comic book, I you didn't hear, comic, you didn't right? see the purple man till what, like the last, I don't know, towards the end of the series. Oh, is that true? Oh, I, I never read the comic. Yeah. See the comic book. It's, very long periods of her just because in the comic book it, it followed roughly the same path they obviously changed a lot of the stuff for the show yeah for the better well because the the way they had the villain in the comic book he was kind of uh very flavorless you know whereas tenant added a really a nice level to the character but in the comic book she's just she's talking about how she's damaged all the time and everything sucks and it's very emo and it's very downtrodden and it's an effort. It was an effort for me to make it through the comic book. It really didn't start becoming interesting until the Purple Man showed up in the comic book. And that was towards the end of the series. Whereas in the TV show, they brought him in relatively quick and they gave his character time to develop and to grow on you. And Tenet was fantastic. And he was a fantastic. Oh, he was really good. Yeah, yeah. It's He saved a villain. lot of that show for me. Like, I think if there was a lesser actor in that role, I'm, I'm not exactly. saying I would have given up on that show, but I would have liked it a lot less. He, he he's one of those people that I just, I just, there's something about him that he can be in anything. And I'm just like, yeah, totally going to walk. I'm just want to stare at him for a while. Like just, just go like he was in, um, oh, you got a man crush, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, it's yeah. I think maybe I'm actually to man crush point. Cause like I watched, it's okay. A, he was my favorite doctor. Yeah. So, you know, I, I watched a, uh, what's it called? Um, broad church. Yeah. Was that the one where he's, he's the yep. detective and I liked the hell out of that, but I never would have started that show if it wasn't, fucking david Tennant being exactly the guy you know but once uh once i started watching I'm like oh this is quite good but you know it's just ooh, something to stare at david Tennant in i'm i'm there let's do this thing <laughs> yeah he was really good in the show the, the thing about that he really made the show is even when he wasn't using his powers he still always had control he was still always controlling the situation they make reference to that in the show yeah but him as an actor to be able to pull that off and do that was really cool. You know, even when he wasn't, and they had him in situations where he couldn't use his power to get what he wanted, you know, even later on in the show, it reveals why he can't do what he wants to do with Jessica. But up until that point, you know, it's all acting for him, you know, and you're like, okay, well, he wants her to do it for this reason, for that reason. Then you figure out later on, oh, he can't do it for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was really quite good. I've, yeah. It's, and he's, Matt Smith really won me over uh, after a bit, but I think Tannen is still my favorite doctor at this point. But Matt Smith really, after a while, like, he bothered me at first, just mostly because he's too young. But, like, after a while, I'm like, fuck, I really like this guy. But Tannen's still still deep in my heart. I liked, uh, if you want to bounce over to who, I can do that, too. I, I liked Yeah, I think all we're of... going to, because you said something very important about the last episode. So, please, what was what were you about to say? Uh, of all the, all the new Doctor Whos, I liked all of them, even the... Um... The first one when the season restarted, I think he was only in there for one season. Yeah, what the heck was uh, his Christopher name? Eccleston. Yes, Eccleston. I liked him as an actor. I liked him as a doctor. I think he's a dick, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I didn't think he played a bad doctor at all. I thought he was fine with it. He was a great one to choose for the restart. Like I think he really it it worked really well to have that style of doctor where he kind of yeah. looks like a badass. He's got that kind of like uh, that style of English accent that's got like a little bit of like a little bit of kind of street grit behind it, but he's also like mm -hmm. a total geek and he's got that big dumb smile. Well, I he could go really from being good, yeah. a really jolly, crazy guy to completely serious. Yeah. 
like don't screw with me or I'll fuck your day up. Yeah, really good. You know, it's, yeah. it's a snap of a switch. Whereas when Tenet came along, Tenet was kind of like loopy, jolly kind of guy, but he never had that. You know, he's serious, but it, he didn't have that I will destroy you kind of ness to him. Now, fans, I know we're going to argue with me. The the hardcore Tenet fans are going, no, 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 no. But that's kind of the thing about Doctor Who is the next Doctor is different than the last, is different than the last. Yeah. Now, Matt Smith, I don't think was that different from David Tenet. Um, I think there was a lot of similarities to them, so it wasn't as hard of a transition. Yeah. Um, the new doctor, I really didn't like this guy. I, I like him, but I, I just, I really think Moffat needs to go. I don't like Moffat's writing. I think maybe that's what the problem is. I think that's where I am right now. Um, what's the doctor's name? Can you think of it? Off the I'm, I'm blanking horribly. I'm blanking hard right now myself too. Um, oh, whatever. Capaldi, Capaldi, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi, yes. Um, yeah. I think that... The Peter Capaldi episodes, if it wasn't as an, like much like David Tennant in in uh, Jessica Jones, if if you didn't have as good of an actor as Capaldi in this season and last season of Doctor Who or whenever he took over, they would be probably the worst seasons that's ever happened. They've been written really shitty, and it has been a testament to how good of an actor that man is to pull off some of the garbage he has had put in front of him. These well, one of the things is, is he is a classic Doctor Who fan. Like he yeah. is. He is straight up, you know, he's had no problem admitting from day one. Like even his when he came out wearing his Doctor Who outfit and the even the mannerisms he had and stuff, yeah. everything he was doing before he actually became the Doctor was paying tribute to the Doctors that came before him. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, well, that's uh, cool. I can get that. He's an older guy. Honestly, I don't see him doing it for very long because he is an older guy. And Doctor Who is a fairly physical show. You're running around, you're jumping, you know. And it's not something that an older doctor long in the tooth is is going to be, you know, doing for all the time. Um, and the other thing was Clara, though, I think the, the girl is incredibly gorgeous. I could stare at her all day long. She's very easy on the eyes. Um, I think it was definitely her time has come or has came and left. Yeah. So um, I'm glad they I'm glad that she's not on the show anymore, but she kind of is. So <laughs> yeah. I... you have, have you watched any of the seasons yet? Oh yeah, no, I'm done. I'm I'm caught up. Oh, you, uh, yeah, caught I'm, up I've been caught yeah. up. I've been caught up with Doctor Who since probably Eccleston. Like, I mean, I when that show start restarted, I don't know if I've been more than like a week out of date. I've been I've been hooked. I've been heroined out. There's been a needle of Doctor Who in my arm every time it airs. Who was your first Doctor? Uh, I you know actually, I guess technically it would be Eccleston because I watched it when I was a kid on whatever the hell stupid channel replayed it in America. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what Doctor it was. Um, mine was Tom Baker. I think that's. I think mine was Tom Baker. I'm not really sure. I just remember watching it here and there when I was a kid, enough to the point that I remembered the show. That when the big announcement that it was coming back on, I went, "Oh, I know this is a big deal in Britain. I'm going to give this a watch." And then I watched mm -hmm. it. I'm like, "Oh, I fuck it. I'm I'm enamored with the show." Like immediately once I, I wanted to like learn about all the mythos. Like it was like, "Oh, this is exactly the kind of show I like." So I've been, you know, so technically it's Eccleston was my first because he just okay. that's the one that I bit. The, that's the one that I you know bit the hook on. Tom Baker was my doctor that I, I would watch when I was a kid. And I, I, I loved Doctor Who when I was young. And then for whatever reason, you fall out of it because it goes off of the air and whatever. Yeah. You know, plus it went off the air for a number of years anyhow. Um, so when it came back, I was happy about it. I gave it a shot. Um, I liked Eccleston a lot. Uh, he, I think he left the show. And I know there's Whovians out there that are going to rip on me if, if I get it wrong. But I think he had problems with Moffat as well. Plus the fans were relentlessly rough on him. And he was like, screw this, I'm gone. Uh, 
so then when Tenet came along, my youngest daughter picked up watching Doctor Who at that point, and that was that was her doctor. And she stuck around for Matt Smith. And when when Matt Smith left the show, she said, I'm done. And I said, why? You know, blah, blah. And she says, I don't like Stephen Moffat's writing or whatever. I think she just, you know, those were her doctors and they, yeah. they ran their course. Because I remember she'd kill me if she heard me say this, but I remember watching her watch Doctor Who when Tenet, when when he, when his last episode, when he died, when his doctor died. And she actually cried. And, you know, I felt bad for her, Yeah, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I, I was really happy that my daughter's watching Doctor Who and she was geeking out and stuff. I was like, this is cool. You know, I'm I'm right there with you, you know. And then Smith came along and she she was there for Smith. And but she wasn't as much into Smith as she was with Tenet. Yeah. And then when Eccleston came along, she had zero interest at all. Like all of her Doctor Who stuff, she just like her mug and her socks and all this other stuff. She just didn't care about at all anymore. She was completely out of Doctor Who at that point. But I think that's the way, that's the nature of who, you know, that's the nature, the nature of Doctor Who. Everybody has their doctor yeah. that they identify with and they'll maybe give the next one a chance or whatever, but eventually they fall out of it and then somebody else falls back in and that's just yeah. the way Doctor Who works. I just hope Capaldi so. gets a chance to do some well-written episodes because he's, I love him as the doctor, but he's, the episodes he's given, there's. They're just not yeah, there were good. some that were really bad. Some of them I didn't even watch. I was yeah. like, this. Some of them were just well, really dumb. So this is all right. So spoil, I will give spoilers to this one because previous spoilers were they've been out for a while and in America. So, but this, you know, Doctor Who is not exactly the easiest thing to find. But the the two episodes ago, uh, he gets trapped in the trap, and mm -hmm. he ends up punching his way through that wall. Yeah. Which that, took four billion years or something like that. Only good because Capaldi was there. That's the, one of the dumbest contrivances. And I'm saying that having watched a lot of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. That's an incredibly dumb contrivance. It kind of ruins the character, if you really think about it. That, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, transporters. Can fit, like, oh, it was... I, I, But the fact that the way that Capaldi played it made it like it carried the gravitas that mm -hmm. whatever shitty writer put that down... Uh, it, it, pretended that he wrote but wasn't there because it was bad but capaldi pulled it off and i was like all right like you know fine because capaldi's there i can watch it but uh this is the reason i wanted you to talk about it, is is the last episode where you said well you know it, it almost like made the season worthwhile that last episode what are you asking me why i said that no or? no I'm just, uh, well uh, please <laughs> well yes please give the reason i'm just i'm also very much agreeing with well, you because it wasn't oh. he wasn't the doc like even though every doctor changes there is still something that is the doctor there's a thread that carries them through that you can go okay as crazy and as weird each personality is and goes into a different direction there is always some kind of anchor in there that that insanity or that craziness or that purpose of what they're doing and Capaldi, up until that last episode, um, never really had that as the Doctor. It seemed like the last two seasons, well, actually this season, he was, you know, the whole season he was trying to figure out who and what he was. Now, I know every Doctor goes through that when they go through the regeneration process, but usually it's a quicker process or what have you. Like within, you know, Tenet within the first year pretty much got it, you know, and so did, um, so did Matt Smith. Whereas this one here, I think it was because of the whole clara thing i'm not sure maybe if that was what it was or not that at the end of the very last episode you know when he goes in the tardis and he realizes he's like i am you know he goes i'm the doctor and then he you know his, his sonic screwdriver flies into his hand like when he pulled out the sunglasses that was like i said i'm fucking done yeah you know no sonic screwdriver he's using sunglasses now this is stupid okay he's got a rock and roll guitar he comes riding a tank the whole i'm like you're just this is dumb you know at this point you're yeah. just being stupid 
you know, I don't know, you know, you don't, well, fine, why don't we just get rid of the TARDIS then? We'll just make it something else at that point, you know? Yeah. There's certain things you have to carry on. The sonic screwdriver is just the thing. That's one of the things. You can't, that's the one thing that links, it's like the Star Wars movies. You always have R2-D2 and C-3PO all the way through them. Yeah. There's something linking them. And at the final episode where, you know, he turns around and he gets a sonic screwdriver and stuff, it's like, all right, you know, he, he is the doctor now. Well, that's... He's not... That that's why I love that you said they kind of made it up like it. Oh, this almost like made the season worthwhile is I felt like, oh, it's an origin story. And I was like, oh, that's what, you know, it's not true, though, because I think it's just shitty writing. But it made me believe that it was planned, that this was an origin story, that like, all right, now he's finally the doctor. I this think was, what they did yeah. was say, you know what, people really hate what we're doing. Yeah, and we need to get probably. our shit together yeah. really quick. I'm sure that's what happened. <laughs> but like it was done, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, all right. Like you, you can like I'm not going to buy it. You, all right, I've got enough goodwill that I could just go, yeah. Yeah, fine, I'll fine. wait till the Christmas episode comes yeah. along because, you know, how he interacts with River and how the direction of that. But even from the previews of it, you know, it seemed like because he was laughing and, and jolly and stuff like that. And you never see the, this Capaldi doctor never laughs or has any real humor to him. He's always, you know, dour and, and, and he doesn't know how to interact with people or stuff like that. So hopefully now that Claire is gone, I, I don't even mind that she didn't actually quite die, that she's flying off with the mortal girl and they've got their own little TARDIS and stuff. Yeah. That that doesn't even bother me um, because because of the history of the new Doctor Who's, they probably won't go back and retap that vein. They've never gone back and talked about what happened with his daughter either. You know, and everybody's like, what happened to the daughter? What happened to the daughter? Well, we're just going to let that go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um. So I'm hoping that, you know, from here on out, it'll be different. He'll get he'll get a new, you know, a new companion and, you know, maybe he'll be the doctor again. Hopefully he will, you know, so we'll have to see. Yeah, um, it's got me excited, though. And I like the idea of him acting against River because uh, it seems like an older kind of curmudgeonly doctor would work really well against the River character. But he didn't look from what I've seen of the previews. He didn't look curmudgeonly. He looks like he's finally losing some of that curmudgeonness. No, but that's what I mean. It's that he's a curmudgeon. Oh. So, like, this vivacious kind of weirdo lady is the one that breaks him out of that. You know, yeah, like, hopefully. Yeah, I think that that could be a fun kind of swerve that, like, because she's kind of a weirdo. Like, it's it's an odd thing because she's a little bit older, especially with Matt Smith. Like, it was just mm -hmm. somewhat awkward to, to have her against Capaldi that it brings, like, the kind of giddy youthfulness out of Capaldi. I'm like, oh, this actually could be pretty interesting. Yeah, see, up to this point, his character hasn't had that. He's always been the dour, serious yeah. doctor, which was probably what I didn't like about it. Even with Eccleston, Eccleston had his zany. That's I guess that's what I'm trying to say is all of the doctors have a really zany kind of crazy side where they're out of their mind. And then they have the really serious side to them. And yeah. Eccleston at this point has been all serious. Besides the fact that they've had really crappy writing, you know, some of the shows have just been ridiculous his character is been like, okay, it's kind of one dimensional here, you know? And from what I understand though, um, that Capaldi has had, he, he's been going back and forth on the behind the scenes too, saying this character needs to evolve. And they really haven't been letting the character evolve from what I've been reading the behind the scenes, you know, yeah. you know, little tidbits and stuff like that. What I would like to see is, uh, you know, they, they, they did, they kind of tipped their hat to it early in, in his career as the doctor of why did I choose this face? Because, you know, Capaldi yeah, was in a previous... Yeah, I remember him yeah. saying that. And yeah, Because Capaldi was in that episode with, uh, it was Tennant, uh, when he's mm -hmm. in ancient Pompeii. Yeah. And Capaldi's... So, 
like it was weird that they set that up and then didn't bother to do that plot in the exactly. season. It just like it feels like something went wrong behind the scenes and like that's why the season's kind of half assed. Like they just it was just like kind of an awkwardly done thing. But I really did like that last episode and I'm kind of like now reinvigorated. I'm like, all right, cool, now we can see like what Capaldi, you know, behind the wheels of the doctor can finally do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that uh I'm hoping that Capaldi, you know, is you you begin to see a multi-dimensional character instead of I'm sad and dour and pissed off all of the time, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is starting to get boring, you know, because like he even had the little cue cards on how to interact with people because she was trying to teach him how to, yeah, how to you know how to interact with people and stuff. I'm like, all right, I get it, you know. Can we can we have some depth and dimension to the character now? Yeah, well, you know, I did uh, like in the beginning, uh, and and unfortunately it didn't play out. But I loved that when he found out he was Scottish, and then started to talk about how happy he is that he can finally complain properly. He's like, oh, I can finally really complain. Oh, the moaning I can go through was. I thought that was going to be really fun, and then oh no, apparently you're just it not wasn't going to no. bother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I guess I guess I just have in that episode. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> neat i guess my favorite episode thus far was the was the day of the doctor when they had uh tenet and smith and uh the only thing this is one of the reasons why i don't like eccleston the third doctor the old doctor was actually written for eccleston and he wouldn't come back and do the show he wouldn't even come back and do that one episode yeah and it was glaringly you could tell that that character was written for eccleston yeah it's you true could, it was so unfortunate because i mean i i you know john hurt loved the man wonderful yeah but it didn't really, I mean, it made sense-ish, but obviously it was supposed to be Eccleston. That's why we didn't see him regenerate. We know mm-hmm. what happened. That's when the time war happened. That's when, when we met Eccleston, he was all fucked up. It would have sewn everything together nicely, but I guess you're just, you're an arrogant prick and you didn't want to do it. Yeah, he just didn't want to come. I was like, you could have just come back for that one thing because yeah. it would have been nice to see all three of them interact together. And what I really liked about it is at the end, when uh tom baker came back in oh that was really and, fun yeah yeah that was like and i I didn't know that was going to happen i was like yes you know and my daughter's looking at me i'm like that's this is special for me because that's my doctor yeah you know but i always love it when they throw a hat back to the previous doctors they also did it the one time with tenant where tenant met a previous incarnation of himself um it was uh, like a little tiny mini episode or something like that. And Tennant's interacting goes, he, he's, uh, he's like, you are my, you were my doctor. You were the one where, you know, he was paying tribute to his doctor, which actually turns out is his father-in-law in real life. Did you oh, see that one by yeah, chance? Yeah, that you was the mini episode with, um, that was the, I forget the actor's name. That was the eighth doctor. That's where they introduced mm-hmm. those immortal ladies that were on the last episode. The, the, the Priory of Zion or whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, are you talking about the one where they find Paul Gand? Paul Paul McGann or whatever his name is. That's exactly right. That's that's the one no. I'm this about. is a different one. That oh, I'm talking. okay. That was cool too. Because I, I really like that one. Because that's that when I was a kid, I remember I had seen Doctor Who episodes with him. I'm like, oh, that's a face I recognize as a Doctor. Now, <laughs> there is an episode. It's a real short one. It's like it takes place after one of the episodes or something where it's got Tennant in it, and something happens to the TARDIS, and the old one of the old Doctor shows up. The one that had the little celery stick on his on his uh, shoulder on his, on his little on his little coat all the time and what have you. Um, I can't remember which one it is now. Uh, I believe he had the uh, the the walking stick or the umbrella look like a question mark. I know there's people out there that are Doctor Who fans that are just wanting to kill me right yeah, now. Yeah, so I, I don't really know a lot of the old Doctor Who stuff, so I don't know which one you're referencing. I will yeah. find it on YouTube and send it to you on Facebook yeah. so you can watch it. It's real quick. It's only like five minutes long. But what it is is it's David Tennant. It's, uh, it's that Doctor talking to the other Doctor, and the other Doctor is like, oh, you must be a fan. He's like, no, no. He goes, look at me. I'm you. I'm you in the future or whatever. 
he goes and when I he's just, he's talking about how when he regenerated, he's like he remembers how he was when he was younger, or he makes some kind of a reference like when he was. He's like, when I was older, when I was you, I wanted to be younger. But now that I'm younger, I look back at you, and he makes some kind of a thing about how he misses being that doctor when he was that doctor. Yeah. And what he was is that was what he's trying, what he's doing. He's he's kind of paying respect to the doc. That was his doc. How I said we all have our first doctor. Mine's yeah. Tom Baker. That was him paying tribute to that doctor. You know, but I did see this. This was that was a um like a kids relief thing that the BBC made. Uh, it was like a little side, like five minute, a side thing. They made it yeah. for some like then, charity, like kids first charity thing. I forgot. Yeah, I totally did watch that. Yeah. And he's like, he was that little piece of celery you got there. Like that hat. He was, these are all things that I remember about you and I like you and blah, blah, blah. And you yeah. are my doctor. And I thought that was really cool when they, when they go back and they pay like tribute in little ways or like that one thing where they did the, the day, the five ish doctors. That little thing that where the old doctors are all trying to sneak onto the set. Did you watch that by chance? Oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know, they were everybody was totally in on that, and you know, they were trying to sneak into the show and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah. You know, that was that, that was for the completest, and of course, Eccleston wasn't involved in any of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you know, it's at some point you had to get a. You had to get a, you know, a damn square. Exactly. Just, you know, exactly. It's, he's, he's just not going to agree to anything. That was going back to that, though. In the five-ish doctor, they tried to get a hold of Tom Baker. And it shows Tom, like, going down the river and all that, that thing flew over his head and he disappeared or whatever. That was kind of a, a reference to way back when they did an old episode a while ago in the old Doctor Who. So they got a bunch of the old doctors together again in the past. And they were supposed to have Tom Baker on that show. And for contract reasons, Tom Baker couldn't come back. So they used that how they got rid of him was they used that exact same clip of video where he gets sucked up into that glob or whatever. They just reused it again as a joke. Oh, was so, that what that was about? Oh, okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't even understand yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, if you're an old school Doctor uh, Who fan, you would have caught it, but most everybody else would have been like, oh yeah, it's funny. Tom Baker got sucked up by a thing or whatever. And it was, you know, happened while he was on the phone, but that was kind of them like paying tribute to what happened way back when the old original doctors all got back together again. Yeah. But, um, that was why when the doctor did show up at the very end of it, when he was talking to Matt Smith, that was why I was like, oh, my God, that he actually came back. They actually brought him back. And he says, you look familiar to me. He says, yeah, you know, and you might you might see me again. So it was kind of like making a reference that he might transform back into some old doctor at some point. He yeah. might go back and revisit his old self again at some point. So now that we've thoroughly geeked out and lost most of your listeners at this point. <laughs> I, you know, I look, I've, I've said it on my it, show a million times. If you don't like geek things, I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't cover any of the stuff that I brought to cover to the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, wait, was there anything quick or do you want to just. No, not really. Okay. I was, um, it, it's not a real big day. I was going to say that we're coming up on the 48th anniversary of the Silver Bridge collapse in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Now, do you know what the significance of that is? Yeah, it's the Mothman shit, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. That was the, they're coming up on the 48th anniversary of it. I think actually. Yesterday would have been because it happened on December 15th. So yesterday would have been the 40th anniversary of that bridge collapsing, which then brought more or less brought the whole Mothman phenomena to an end at yeah. that point. That's it. That's always one of those weird ones that I kind of every now and again revisit of what the fuck was this? Because, you know, a bunch of witnesses, you know, predictive power of things going weird. And I saw, mm -hmm. um, did you see that? It was pretty recently that, um, if you bring up the Richard Gere movie, no, uh, no, no, I've actually never seen it. Um, good, don't. <laughs> the, uh, that's no, that's why I haven't because everybody said that exact same thing. Oh, it's uh, terrible. There was a there was an article saying that uh, the 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 Mothman were actually um, night jumping U.S. Marine parachutists. Are you familiar with this? 
Yeah. yeah. What a what always a, some stupid skeptical angle stretch. that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it goes into the extreme skeptical realm of like, yeah. no, OK, I get what you're saying, but that's just not possible either. Like I'm I, like I like to think skeptically first because, frankly, it's the easiest way to do it. And then it's like, oh, I can't figure it out. Cool. I get to believe in something neato. But mm -hmm. this is way too skeptical. Like at oh, this yeah. point, that's like swamp gas bullshit. We're just like, oh, come on. That doesn't even make sense. Like, well, the problem <laughs> was it, it wasn't just the Mothman was the thing that got the most coverage. But there was all kinds of stuff going on. There were balls of light UFO kinds of things happening. Um, just a whole array of bizarre things that were happening. If you read the book, The Mothman Prophecies from John uh, John Keel, which I think is actually might be out of print now. I'm lucky to have a copy of it. I don't know if it's still in print or not. There was all kinds of strange stuff going on. It wasn't just The Mothman. Um, there were people getting strange cryptic phone calls. Now, some of those... People have come back later on and said that some of those there were people that were that were just screwing with John that were calling him in the hotel room and just messing with him and so forth. Um, yeah, and there's and that injured cold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but there was all kinds of stuff going on besides that. There was uh, there was UFO like events, other strange creatures that were going on that that were were part of that. But the Mothman was the one consistent thing that everybody was seeing. So that's what got more or less the most attention about it because everybody was seeing the Mothman. It still gets reported from time to time, but you have to wonder about the validity of the reports in this day and age. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was the one thing that the media or whatever grabbed onto because it was the one common thread that went all the way through the whole thing. And then when the bridge collapsed, it was such a tragedy and so many people died that the Mothman thing just kind of fell by the wayside, you know, because of the big tragedy that happened. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the weirder stories that's ever happened. And then, you know, the mm -hmm. injured cold stuff with like the, you know, he's some kind of weird alien men in black thing. And, you know, this whole like there's bad luck when you see the Mothman and then, you know, bridges will collapse. And there's like, yeah, that's other a, examples the of men this. in black yeah. was another thing that yeah. was going on at the same time. There was lots of reports of men in black happening yeah. as well. Well, that's that injured cold thing where the yeah. the weird white faced guy is like, my name is injured cold. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. apparently you just heard syllables and said them together. And that's what you think a name is, Mr. Alien, because that's yeah. the most obvious shit ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that happened, you know, that, that just went by. And then there's the, did you hear about the thing in people with the, uh, the Canadian air by chance? Have you heard about this? Canadian air? No, I don't think so. There's a company in Canada that is bottling up Canadian Rocky mountain air. They're oh, bottling it and they're selling it. And within three days, they sold out their entire supply to China where that air is now being, you know, resold at three times the cost of bottled water. This is a plot from Spaceballs. This is literally from Spaceballs. <laughs> Where they had hairy no, air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you Google it, you can see it like uh, oh, Google uh, Chinese buy, buy up bottles of fresh air from Canada. There's people that are going apeshit over buying these aerosol cans of nothing but Canadian Rocky uh, clean air. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's literally Spaceballs joke. That's the Perrier joke when they stuck out all the, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> but it's for real. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I mean, ugh, yeah, that's I mean, the, the pollution out there. Is so bad. like I saw that story about the guy that made the uh, the brick out of Chinese pollution. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So exactly. if the air is that bad, I suppose you can't really look down on buying, you know, some nice uh, some nice There's a uh, picture floating around of the China of of, of uh, China, one of their cities, their skyline. And you look at that picture, it looks just like it came out of Blade Runner because of the amount yeah. of smog it's in the air at night and the way that their billboards and stuff are all lit up. It looks just like 
the picture from Blade Runner. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, you know, I got nothing. I was going to say a quote from Blade Runner and I failed at it miserably. Um, Voigt Mont, what the hell's the name of the test from there? Voigt Kampf. Voigt Kampf. God damn it. Yeah. I was going to say it and I went, Voigt Mind folks, uh, shit. Oh, look at me failing miserably. I know nothing about Phil K. Dick. <laughs> Do you know what a turtle is? Uh, I know I want to kill one when I see it. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. He's going to give him a test. He's like, you're walking through the desert. You see a tortoise laying on the ground. Its legs are kicking. What's a tortoise? Do you know what a turtle is? Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love Blade Runner. Yeah, I've it's really a so great movie. I can't wait for the sequel so I can just hate it a lot. I don't know. It's going to uh, be so bad. <laughs> That's one of those sacred cows with me, man. I just yeah. don't know. You know, I just, this, that's a very fond movie in my life, and I, I own all versions of it. I own the director's cut, the regular version, and then there was another version that was made as well. There's yeah. actually been many versions of it made, so I can't say that I have all of the versions, but I have three of them. And I love every one of them. I love each and every one of them for different reasons. So, you know, it's just, that's, that's my movie. It would, that the crow is another one where they're supposed to remake the crow. And I'm like, no, just leave it alone. Yeah. Thankfully that, that production seems to be pretty cursed. So they keep losing directors and losing funding and stuff. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Well, James O'Barr, the guy who wrote it is actually from my area. Here's another story for you. Story time. Oh, please. I used to work at a record store, a record store inside of this, um, it was a resale shop. The place was called Penny Pinchers. It's not in business anymore. And I worked inside of a record shop that doesn't exist anymore. It was called Earwax Records. And James O'Barr didn't live very far from me. And he would shop in our record store. And when I was much younger, in my teen years, The Crow was just coming along. And it was kind of like a really underground indie cult thing. It wasn't really big at all. Um, and he was working as a, I believe he was working as a body repair shop uh, inside of a, I think it was a Chrysler de dealership. And it was in Dearborn, Michigan, I believe. But he used to come into the shop, and I really didn't know who he was. And plus, I was a kid. I didn't really care too much. I knew he wrote this comic book called The Crow. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. It's an indie comic. I didn't, you know, maybe it was bigger, but I didn't realize at the time. And we would get into these big, long conversations about New Order and Joy Division. And he used to buy all of his Joy Division records off of me. And he'd say, yeah, I need this or that. And I'd, you know, I'd get him the hard to find or the imports or the bootlegs and stuff like that. And we would have these big, long conversations about you know, all these bands like Killing Joke and all these 80s punk bands. And he was really in the Joy Division. Um, time passes. He ended up moving down to Texas as the years went on. And uh, recently we have the Motor City Comic Con up here in Detroit. And I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, I walked up to him because he comes to it every year. He always comes back home to Detroit for this Motor City Comic Con. And he just sits at his table and draws and he'll sign autographs for you or sign T-shirts. Really approachable, really nice guy. He looks like the lead singer from Skinny Puppy, if you look at him. He's got that kind of pale look to him. He's got like an army green, you know, parachute jacket, and he's got the army green kind of cap on. Really nice guy. So I walked up to him, and I'm like, I don't think you're going to remember this, but a long, long time ago, I used to work at a record shop. It was over in Southgate, Michigan, and he's like, oh, my God, yeah, I remember you. And he's like, Joy Division. And I'm like, yeah, you remember me, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, how you been, man? He shook my hand, and, you know, we sat and talked for a little while. I was just blown away that this guy remembered me because this is over 20, God, 25 years ago. This was a long time ago. I was maybe 17 at the time, I think, uh, maybe maybe 18, and I'm 42 now. So, uh, you know, we had a big conversation. I was talking to him and stuff, and he was really, really cool. Later on, um, we went out, uh, me and a bunch of my buddies went out to eat, and we went to this restaurant, and he happened to be there. But he looked up at me and saw me, and I, I just kind of acted like I didn't see him and turned away from him because I didn't want to be fanboy. 
you know, I didn't want to bug him out in public. But later on, I realized he actually wanted to kind of engage with me and talk to me again. But I kind of turned on him. I, I, I acted like I didn't see him. And I kind of I, I blew him off. And I look back and I'm like, God, I wish I hadn't done that. I was because he was actually a really cool down to earth guy. But I didn't want to be the fanboy, you know, Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, I understand. Yeah. You know, but I look back and I was like, you know what? I think he actually wanted to talk to me and I didn't do it. And I wish I'd had. I wish I'd have sat and bullshit with him for a little while. But, um, yeah, he's somebody if I wanted to get an interview with, I know I could pretty quickly. I know I would very easily oh, be able cool. to get an interview yeah. with him. I, uh, I was quite the fan of that. Uh, being being a goth kid, I was quite the fan of The Crow. That was a, a pretty major movie in my in my younger years. Yeah, I think everybody – for everybody of our age because it was very angsty and it had the music that we liked in it and stuff yeah. and it had The Cure and – you know, all of us were, you know, when we were that age, oh, my ex-girlfriend, life sucks, blah, 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 exactly. you know. Yeah. Everybody was angsty, so that movie kind of spoke to all of us on some level. I thought they did a good job with the movie. I, I really liked it, even though Detroit good. didn't look like Detroit. Yeah. The sequels were terrible. Uh, the TV they were horrible. Was he didn't have anything yeah. to do with them, though. Oh, good. But yeah. um, getting back to my point, though, we were talking about the new movie. At the time, he couldn't say too much about it, but he says, yeah, I'm absolutely behind it. I know what they're going to do. Um, I'm completely fine with it, and he didn't have a problem with it. Because I remember way back when they made the original Crow movie, he was very much involved with it and about what was going to happen in the movie and what wasn't going to happen in the movie. And he was very, very adamant about not going back and being having the movie remade or whatever. He wanted to make sure it was done right the first time. But after that, he lost all control of it. He lost the rights to it. I think he even to a certain extent lost the rights to the comic book. I don't remember uh, if he did or not. But I remember him saying, yeah, he didn't want this movie being redone and he didn't like anything that was done since. And this time around, they made him a part of it when they decided to redo the movie. They very much brought him in and, you know, they used him as a consultant for how the movie was going to be. And he's like, yeah, I'm 100% behind it. Oh, I'm like, cool. well, you know, if, if Obar's behind it, then, you know, like, sure, okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I suppose if they do it right, that's fine. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just scary. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, not scary, like whatever. Lucas was yeah. Star Wars, you yeah. know. So I mean, I think it's, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's at least two of the sequels I haven't even seen. So it's not like it, I'm really, it's not like it matters, you know. Well, but, the um, second one was okay. You know, Iggy Pop was in it, and it was all right. But after that, it just got really dumb. And then they tried yeah. to do the television series, and that was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple episodes of that. It was pretty shitty. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. And so it goes. But, um, all right. So, uh, oh, I can disprove that movie, though. I live in the Pacific Northwest, and it can rain all the time. Mm -hmm. um, that's a fun joke for everybody that lives out here. Um, another fun one, just because I'm just going to make really nerdy jokes, and then we'll end it. How old are you? I'm 42. Oh, that's your answer to everything. Sorry, mm. I can never say that enough. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans out there are like, hey, look, Alex just made a joke. I uh, am the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Indeed. Well done. Well done. Well done growing to the age that makes reference to the thing in the movie and the book. Did I mention that Amazon thinks I'm a Satanist? No, that wasn't here. It was someplace else. You said, you said that on Facebook, which yeah. Amazon's always thought I was one. So, you know, it just you know, makes sense. I'll tell this story, yeah. then I'll call it good. Yeah, please. Um, I was, my, my daughter uses my Amazon account. We've been doing a lot of Christmas shopping through Amazon because I hate crowds and going out. And plus my work schedule has been crazy and hers is the same way. So we've just been using Amazon. Well, when you log into Amazon, it makes recommendations for, you know, because you've searched for this or that or whatever, we think you might be interested in this. So I log in one day to place an order for some Christmas presents. And all of a sudden I see this stuff. It says, uh, things that we think you might be interested in. And it's like um, Enochian magic, uh, you know, all this stuff. Well, here, let me, I can pull it up. I got it in front of me. Um, the Druidic Magic Handbook, Ritual Magic Rooted in a Living Earth, Luciferian Magic and Incantations, 
uh, Enochian magic and spells for a better life, uh, satanic rite literature. Um, I don't know where any of this stuff wow. came from. <laughs> well, maybe your daughter's a Satanist. No, because I've looked at the stuff account, she or... ordered, you know, and the stuff that she's ordered has nothing to do with this. It's like cookie cutters and stuff for her <laughs> yeah. friends and, and giraffe, you know, um, like really long giraffe toilet paper holders with long necks on them and stuff. <laughs> and I actually asked her, I'm like, so um, are you converting to Satanism or whatever? I'm like, because if you are, I'm cool with it. You know, I, I, I know some people that can steer you in the right direction. Let's make sure you're not getting into the bad stuff. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you don't know any about, anything about this. She's like, no. And then I'm, you know, I'm telling her about it. And she's like, I have no idea what's going on. And I believe her because I've checked into the stuff that she's buying. And it doesn't make sense that this stuff would pop up. Wow. I'm certainly not ordering any of this kind of stuff. I did one search way, way back for a book related to uh, magic and which is nowhere near what what this is what it's giving me right now i'm st ascension magic celtic wisdom the temple of high witchcraft yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell <laughs> maybe it's the universe talking to you maybe you're maybe you're meant to be maybe you're meant to I be some kind of a, a witchcraft <laughs> practitioner you know what? I think it was actually when we were doing, when you were on my show and we did the show about Dr. John D. I yeah, looked I up a say, book. That might be, that might exactly be it. So one search for a Dr. John D. book months and months ago is now interacting with what I pull up on Amazon for Christmas. Well, because you said Enochian magic and that's directly John D. So it's, it's quite possible that some kind of weird, you know, algorithm hit happened that they went, oh, you're interested in Enochian magic. Well, I guess you, you're a Satanist. Be, yeah, you must be interested in all this <laughs> other stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, just give into it. Come on, everybody. Ave Satany. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's too soon as The druidic power of fairy and Celtic magic. <laughs> yeah. Come on. How else are you going to get fairy powers? Uh, anyways. All right. Uh, yeah, we've been talking for a while now, so. Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. So I have been out. Oh, wait, no. Let's. I can't do that. How do people find you? Oh, you can find me at www.projectarchivist.com. You can find our show on iTunes. You can find us on Podcast Addict. You can find us on Podkicker. You can find us on Stitcher. I think we just landed in a Google Play Store somehow or another. Um, you know, go ahead and find, you know, look for us if you want. Our shows are basically about just the strange and the odd and the unusual. Some of our shows are pretty funny. Some of our shows are pretty serious. We bounce around a lot. Um, we'll do, you know, so many serious shows in a row. Like then just recently we did a show called This Year in Fecal Matters, and it was all having to do with weird things that happen with poop, you know, crap, things like that. There you go. <laughs> like the Dave Matthews bus, the we just came up on the tenth anniversary of. Did you hear about when the Dave Matthews band, when their bus uh, dumped their sewer village off the side of the bus, uh, they were dumping it on through a bridge, a, a graded bridge, and just as they were dumping the sewage out of the bus, a tour boat happened to be going through oh. a tour of Chicago. Oh yeah, you didn't Ugh, hear about this, huh? No, that's that's <laughs> not pleasant. No, and this tour bus, this tour boat happened to be going underneath the bridge because they were taking everybody on a riverboat tour of through Chicago about the archaeology of the city and the buildings, and they happened to just go right underneath the bus when it dumped all of this shit, you know, eight hundred pounds um, of crap on people on this boat on this open air open top boat. They just got showered in this. Um, so yeah, we did a show about that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, once a year we do a show about Florida and weird things that happen in Florida. 
but we've also just did a series of show about shows about people's you know a person's strange experiences with UFOs and high strangeness in their life and how they dealt with it. Um, so we bounce all over the place, but we generally try not to, as I said earlier, approach topics that everybody else approaches. And if we do, we try to approach them sideways from a different angle. Um, you know, we've got a show coming up where we have, we have a transgender person coming on the show and they're going to talk about from start to finish what their life was like going through the process, what it was like and what it's like, you know, after, you know, what, what their whole life has been through. And they've said, yeah, we'll, we'll pretty much talk about anything. So we're going to ask a lot of, you know, we're not going to ask the hard questions, but you know, the stuff a lot, you know, people want to know, you know, that, that are too afraid to ask or afraid of, you know, being, you know, of shaming somebody or what have you. Plus, it, you know, things like this, that goes back to what I said earlier, the common person having unusual experiences in their life and how it affects them and how they deal with it. The average person doesn't go through a sex change transgender operation to go from being a, um, a man to a woman. You know, that's a pretty substantial thing to go through in a person's life. And I'm curious as to what that process is like and how it affects a person and what it means to be that person. So we've got that coming up. And, you know, that's, that's just the way that we do things. Yeah. So give us a listen. You know, hopefully you'll like it. Uh, if you don't like one episode, try a different one. You know, bounce around. We we move around quite a bit. Uh, we take what we talk about very serious, but we don't take ourselves very serious. So that's another thing. Um, you know, we're not adverse to doing funny shows every once in a while just for a good laugh to stir things up. There you go. So listen to Project Archivist. Don't listen to the Whatcast. That has been the the theme of the show, and I like it. Don't listen to the Whatcast. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they they both listen to the show, so it's they they find it amusing. Uh, apparently, on the recent episode, or I have no idea what it was, but they had somebody that was doing an impression of me on their show, which I haven't listened yet. But I'm assuming it's not complimentary. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, you know, they're my younger brother show. I must pick on them. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Alex. I do appreciate it. Oh yes, thank you for coming on. And uh, yes, so everybody out there, uh, go listen to Rogan Joe. Like it, enjoy it. Find me on alexcast.com. Alex has always spoke with two X's at the AlexCast on Twitter and on every other various thing that can ever happen in the history of ever because it's that's just the way it works when you're in this game. Okay, cool. So uh, have a delightful and fun-filled thing. And remember, uh, Rilo Ken is actually Luke Skywalker in disguise. Bye! <laughs>